Welcome to the Elevate the Vibe podcast, bringing you juicy combos with thought leaders discussing the wild world of parenting. Our son's class started partying once, and you know, all the kids got cookies, and some kids who had an allergy then had like their own special snacks that were, you know, totally different from everybody else had. And it was like, okay, wait, we're passing the cookies, and now here you kids have these snacks. I'm like, that's still, they're not really fully included. Like, you still know that you're different. Vibe Hive, welcome to another episode of the Elevate the Vibe podcast. This week we have Brooke and Matthew Navarro from Without a Trace Foods as our guests. Without a Trace Foods is a big eight allergen free snack foods and we'll get into that more in a little bit. And even though we don't have allergies in our house, Katie ordered some a while back and man, they were scrum diddly umptious, Shug. We are very fortunate in that as of now, our son doesn't have any allergies that we know of, and we do have our little baby. You know, we don't know. Maybe in the future we'll we'll learn more. It's it's a scary situation that all parents, as they begin to introduce foods to their children, think about. It's definitely on their mind. And for anyone who does have severe food allergies, they definitely look at food and experience food in a different way than people that do not have allergies even if you just have a sensitivity to something you know your world can almost revolve around that and a little side note we are creating a little pack for our son who's about to start preschool in a few weeks and in this little pack they want you to provide like a bottle of water a little note to your child and some snack foods and I had placed an order, as Jason mentioned, with Without a Trace Foods for a couple of their different snack food items. And, like, they are they are so good. They didn't last long. No, they didn't. And what's awesome is that they're engineered by chefs who do not have food allergies. So they're designed with flavor first, you know, in mind. So anybody anywhere will really enjoy them. And in the little pack that we created for him, I purposefully added a bunch of without a trace snacks in there because let's say that there's another kid for some reason that maybe forgot a snack or needs something I mean we don't have to supply them at this preschool but just in case I felt very conscious and like I was doing a good deed knowing that I was providing something that could not harm another child which yeah, that definitely made me feel good. It's quite an accomplishment from Brooke and Matthew, and it was really a pleasure to have them on the show and talk shop with us for a little bit. A little bit of backstory on Without a Trace. Brooke had grown up with severe food allergies and watched her mom suffer from allergic reactions, which as a child, that would be terrifying. And Brooke also has severe food allergies and lived with the burden of having to keep herself safe at a young age. She recalls being on the verge of tears so many times because she felt isolated when she couldn't eat birthday treats with friends. I mean, if you think about that, you're at your friend's birthday and they're enjoying something and you don't know if it's safe for you. Like that's, you know, you definitely feel isolated. When Brooke discovered that one of her children had food allergies, she decided to leave her corporate job in finance in New York City. Uh, she took a leap of faith and she and Matt created Without a Trace. And their goal is bigger than just allergen-friendly foods or allergy-free foods. Their goal is really so that no kid ever feels left out or labeled as the allergic kid or the other kid that has different snacks that are not cool, which is a really nice mission that just touches so many different lives so without further ado let's welcome without a trace founders brooke and matthew navarro 
Matt and Brooke from Without a Trace Foods. Welcome to the Elevate the Vibe podcast. We are excited and honored to have you joining us. And I would love for you to give an introduction of yourself, your background, sort of how you got started. We're so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having us. So as you mentioned, we are the co-founders and also a husband and wife of Without a Trace Foods, which is a allergen-friendly, gluten-free, plant-based snack company for kids and families dealing with food allergies and other dietary restrictions. Our mission is very simple. It's to make all kids and all families feel included, never looked down because of food allergies um, or other dietary restrictions they may have. This is not um, what we thought we'd probably be doing at this point <laughs> in our lives. Um, it's been a long, winding road to get here. Um, I was joking that this is my third career, but we've been at it now. Um, we started working on this almost three years ago, and we launched the company last year in the middle of COVID. Um, you know, we're very excited to finally be making this dream come true to make the world a little bit easier for families um, dealing with food allergies and uh, looking for a fun, safe snack. Yes, and the catalyst for the launch of this company is very near and dear and personal to you. And I'd love for you to tell the story of the, the generational aspect of it and what really brought you, you said, yes, it's your third career. What really ignited that change for you from your second career, which, you know, you had a very successful career there and like what sort of created that, that opportunity for you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm part of three generations of people with food allergies, my mom, myself, and now our daughter, um, all very severe. I watched my mom almost lose her life when I was 19 um, from an airborne reaction to peanuts. Um, some people don't know that, but food allergies can be so severe that if you just breathe it in the air, um, it can be life-threatening. And we were always frustrated, my mom and me, I think, with lack of safe food options out there. I mean, there's always been some, um, but particularly for being on the go, there's not a lot we could have or anything we could have often had the, the warning they contain traces of or manufactured in the facility with, which was incredibly frustrating. Um, so this was always in the back of my mind when I was in business school. It was something I wanted to do. And my professor said, don't do food. Food's hard. Don't do it. Um, they were right, but it uh, <laughs> changed. It was always there. Uh, I was always thinking about it, um, and then when our daughter was born, um, we were hopeful she wouldn't have food allergies. Our son does not have food allergies, Matt does not have food allergies, um, but we weren't totally surprised um, when she was diagnosed with food allergies, and I think our reality is the reality that a lot of families deal with, so it's about 32 million Americans have food allergies, about one in 10, um, but if you think about it, a lot of people are families like ours, where Two of us have food allergies, two people don't. My daughter and I will have the same food allergies, some overlap, some don't. And so suddenly the whole household is dealing with this, right? I mean, anybody with small kids knows you can't give your kid one snack and not expect the other kid to eat the same snack or to shove their hands in each other's mouths or <laughs> leave crumbs on the floor and then watch the child go over and pick up the crumb and eat it. Um, you know, our daughter um, ate a cracker off the floor the other day, you know, that had been sitting there for a week probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, which I'm sure all parents can relate to. What, what do you have in your mouth? What do you get cracker? Where did the crackers made last week? 
<laughs> I haven't bought those in six months. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's uh, really okay. Well, like, you know, <laughs> that's how you want to roll. <laughs> um, and so we knew there were other families with the same struggle of trying to find things that would make their life simple, that they felt safe, being able to bring into their house, or having a brand that they could turn to and look at and say, I know that brand. I know what that brand stands for. I know that that is safe for our food allergies. And decided, you know, eventually, if you're going to do it, you got to do it. So uh, we spent about two years working on product development, um, figuring out everything from the ground up of how to make stuff taste good. We hired a professional chef who does not have food allergies, does not do dietary restrictions, but the goal was always to make it taste like food that everybody would like to eat because we're mad and our son, you know, you don't want to have them eating something that tastes less than ideal just because my daughter and me can't have certain things, um, which is how we, we started pursuing this. So it was a little bit um, on the side while we were working in our other careers in finance um, and, you know, nights and weekends. And at some point you have to make that leap um, which we, we eventually did after um, a couple of years of R&D, um, basically right at the time the pandemic started. So, um, yeah, life, life throws some curveballs at you. Um, but it's been, really, it's been really exciting to see it come to life and be able to offer this to um, a lot of families like ours that um, are looking for some safe and fun alternatives. We're all about fun. It's a serious um, condition, but... We want snacks that people see and like, oh, that's really fun. Um, I want to eat that. So that, you know, that's the goal. I want to know when you're growing up and you know that you have this type of allergy, what that feels like being a child in situations where we all have to eat food every day, multiple times a day. It's not something that's easily avoided. Like if you're maybe allergic to bees and you know like, hey, I'm not going to go play in that meadow where there's a ton of flowers and bees. But food, it's a lot harder to navigate. What does that feel like as a child from a very young age? And I'd love to know, both with you and your daughter, you said that your daughter was diagnosed, but how did you find out for yourself that you had these allergies? What was that like? So I'll take that second part first, and then it's a little bit easier to answer. With, with my mom having severe food allergies, right? They're, they're, it's unclear, right? Nobody really fully understands food allergies, and you know we've gotten a lot better. And there's still a lot of unknowns, um, but we do know, you know, it's not unusual to see food allergies in a family. So given my mom's allergy, we had always kind of suspected um, that I might potentially have food allergies. Um, and there were a lot of things we didn't keep in the house anyhow because of my mom's food allergies. Look at my profile kind of matches her. Um, she has more than I do, but since all of her stuff was out of the house, it was kind of a safe haven for me. And we didn't know that, but that um, was okay. Um, so then they had me tested when I was about three years old. They, they did a test and um, everything, you know, a lot of things went up on the test and came back. So that that's how we found out. And then I had my first anaphylactic reaction when I was five. Um, knew for sure, you know, then there were, there were no doubt, if there were any doubts, those were gone, um, but, um, you know, growing up with it's funny, I look back at it now, 
can see how the things that maybe got me upset or the way I felt a lot of things, you know, as an adult with all these years of perspective and say, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's, it's okay. But as a kid, I mean, I look at how crushed our kids are, you know, they're like, I was playing with that truck and I don't get that truck, you know, and how soul crushing that is. And so imagine, you know, being the kid at every birthday party, every in-classroom party, either you don't get to eat what everybody else is eating. You feel kind of like the weird kid because you're sitting there grilling people on like what's in food, what's not in food. You know, people comment on your food. Oh, that's weird. Why are you eating that? Oh, what? You can't eat it. You know, making fun of you. Um, For some it's a serious medical condition. And there's always, I think, that, you know, this fear in the back of your mind that I'll never forget to look at my mom's face when I ate that cookie that caused the first anaphylactic reaction I had. And I remember I had, like, taking that bite, looking at it, and being like, Mom, this, this tastes kind of funny. And her taking a cookie and looking at it, and, like, the, and I didn't really know what was happening, but, like, seeing that fear. And then, like, kids live with that fear, either having experienced it um, or just having, like, seen, you know, parents trying to kind of put bumpers around them um so it's always this feeling of you don't quite fit in and to your point like you can't you can't avoid it it's not you it's there at every meal at every snack um you know and what I was growing up they would say just don't eat that you know kids brought in cupcakes for the birthday just Brooke you just don't eat that and I just sit there with nothing nowadays we know you know schools are more aware but I still saw it, our, our son's class at a party once and, you know, all the kids got a cookie and then some kids who had an allergy then had, like, their own special snacks that were, you know, totally different from everybody else had. And it was like, okay, wait, we're going to pass with the cookies and out here you, you kids have these snacks. I'm like, that's still, they're not really fully included. Like, you still know that you're different. Um, and you see stuff with... Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'd say a bit before that, you could say that just beyond just the special events, I mean, so going back to our son's school, you know, so in their lunchroom every day, there's like, there are tables designated for kids who have peanut allergies, right? Because, you know, they do wipe down the tables after every meal, but I think you, you start to think about it, I've gained a great appreciation for this now, like having seen our kids, you know, for one being a parent, to seeing our kids and how, you know, thankfully our son is very thoughtful and tries to make sure that his daughter can't, you know, doesn't eat any, our sister doesn't eat any, um, any of the outfits she's allergic to, but he's also still learning how to communicate that. And, you know, her so he'll be like, no, don't eat that. And, you know, and her face is like, why? And like, you can just see how, how, how heartbroken it is. But for the kids who sit at the peanut table, you know, the, the bullying component of this is anyone can imagine as a parent and how kids are. I mean, it, it really is, it's so crushing for them, but it's so crushing as a parent, you know? And I, and I think I was talking to a customer who, she, her son was one who had allergies. He was, as far as I could tell, somewhere in his like late twenties, early thirties, and she was buying him, uh, you know, packed our snacks to send as a gift. And you know, we had this, we had this chat because I was confirming up some details of the shipping. And she said, you know, my son used to tell people he was a vegan just because he didn't want people to make fun of him for his allergies. And so I think you know to have to rely on those types of coping mechanisms for someone so young. It really just kind of goes dives a little deeper into the psyche of some of these kids, and you know, it's it's just that whole idea of not being included. Um, to I think uh, it, it's it's just you know, yeah. And as a, as a, someone who's running a company where that's one of our key tenets or our missions, it's it's really important to us. And there's a big difference between having a severe food allergy, having an intolerance, and then just being sensitive. For someone who maybe is unaware of those differences, can you share? the various levels and 
some of the reactions that you may experience if you do have allergy sensitivity intolerance. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and this isn't to discount if people have um, a sensitivity or an intolerance, right? I mean, anybody who's lactose intolerant, you know, but, you know, my mom is, you know, I mean, we've some very painful symptoms. We don't deny that by any means, um, but it's not something that is life-threatening. It's something that can cause you discomfort, uh, you know, can make you not feel so well, but at the end of the day, you're going to be okay. Um, versus a food allergy is something that can potentially be life-threatening. Um, and the tricky thing about it is um, it can be very hard to understand, right? It, you know, medically they've come a long way, but um, it's anything, you know, the, the symptoms can manifest in a lot of different ways, and so people can be sometimes caught off guard and even um, folks who are well-educated on food allergies can, can struggle sometimes to fully understand it. It's anything from hives and itching, um, you can get kind of a fogginess, uh, it, you know, feeling very out of it, um, then throat swelling, difficulty breathing, um, lethargy, like, you know, it's, it's a whole wide range of symptoms. Um, and people, depending on the food, depending on how much they ate, depending on, you know, what else is going on with their body can have various reactions in different points in time. Um, but the bottom line is at the end of the day, it has the ability to kill you. And for people who don't, you know, understand just, you know, how serious it is, like when your throat is closing you know, and you're, you're starting, you know, you're realizing, you don't know, is it going to close all the way? Am I going to be able to continue to breathe? Um, that's, can you imagine being a kid? I mean, I've gone through it, both as a kid and an adult, um, and that's an incredibly scary thing and as a parent to watch that. So, um, that's really the, you know, the biggest thing is that a, a food allergy, you know, has the ability to, to be deadly. And that's why it's incredibly important that people take it seriously and understand why sometimes people do live with such fear and, and the burden that that can put on a small child once they kind of grasp that of, I really need to keep myself safe. It's a very difficult lesson to learn at a very young age. And there are now even like ID bracelets that children can wear. And I know that like many school systems will allow children to keep EpiPens like at school, which I don't even know. Like when I was growing up for our generation, I don't remember it. I mean, I don't remember it being prevalent and I don't even know if schools had that capability. And there, like you said, I mean, there has been a lot of advancement. Like we're looking into preschools for our child and they're letting us know already like, Hey, here's approved lists of food that your child can have. And it's, and it's ideally like only dried fruits really is like the little snack that they keep on hand if they want something. Cause it's a short day, but it's that inclusive mindset of let's ensure that everyone is safe because that's like an utmost importance. So it's, it's pretty cool to see how far, we have come, but like you said, you know, there's so much work and research that needs to go into this still. And it's like far from being like a, a solved issue. And when it comes to testing and you said you were tested as a child, so you knew, but if there are parents out there that maybe are thinking like, Hey, 
I have a food allergy or a sensitivity, this is something that maybe I would consider for my child is getting tested or even as an adult being tested because over time it can, you know, the, those reactions can change. What does that look like when you're tested? Um, you know, so first of all, I'd say to anybody, obviously like talk to your doctor and I would say, you know, if you don't like the answer you get, you don't feel like they're taking you seriously, you know, talk to another doctor. Um, the good news is, is since we live in the day and age of, of social media and Facebook and there's all these online support groups and, um, you know, you can connect with people either locally or nationally who are going through this and can say, you know, feel like I'm having a hard time finding a doctor or whatever, it, you know, there's people out there who can guide you in the right direction. Um, but I, you know, I've had multiple tests over my life because as you point out, things can change. You can outgrow allergies, you can get new allergies. Um, that's why it's such a frustrating condition. It's not a static condition. Um, but they'll do like a skin prick test where they, you know, put little pricks of what you potentially be allergic to on your skin to see if you, you know, get well, get a, get a kind of hive from it. Um, and then there's also blood tests where, um, you know, they can take a look at you know, a, a blood sample and figure out where there might be, um, you know, there might be a immune reaction. Um, it's not perfect. Um, you know, it's not, it's not a crystal ball. It doesn't tell you everything, but it can point people in the right direction. Um, but it's usually, you know, kind of the first step in an in allergy journey and um, figuring out where do you go from here. Um, you know, and that's why I think having like a really good doctor that you can trust is so important because it's not, you know, it's not a simple condition um, where, you know, the, the course of treatment can change over time. And, and that's why, um, you know, I think, you know, having patience and really taking the long view with it is so important because it, it can be a long journey. With all of the products that you've created, not only are the products free of big eight allergens plus sesame and gluten-free, but you ensured that the facility complied with that as well. Now, for anybody who's unfamiliar with the big eight, can you share what those are and like why they've been identified, why they're important? Yeah, so the big eight are the, the, the eight most common allergies. It kind of count for about 90% of food allergies is, you know, what folks estimate. Um, so eggs, dairy, soy, wheat, fish, shellfish, peanuts, and tree nuts. Um, and then as you mentioned, we're also free sesame. It's sometimes called the big nine. The good news is um, the Biden just signed into law recently um, legislation that makes sesame, you know, really classifies as a major allergen. So starting in 2023, you'll start to see more labeling, um, required labeling uh, on products that's incredibly helpful for people with that allergen as well.
directions in. We don't use those ingredients. Um, it's something we're very mindful of. And that was important to us to be able to say that we have a dedicated facility. Um, so you, we didn't have uh, the use of shared equipment, which, you know, was really where some of my frustration came in all those years, um, where I saw that, you know, manufactured on equipment with or may contain traces of. Um, because as a consumer, that's hard to understand. Like, is that a danger to me? Is it not? I don't know. It says it's in the same facility. Well, is it next to it? Or is it, you know, facilities can be huge. Is it, oh boy, you know, is it just they store it on a shelf a football field away? I, you know, I don't know. And so um, we didn't want to leave any questions for people of what comes in and out um, of the facility and what are the things that we're looking at um, to try to, um, you know, help people better understand um, you know, what's in our products and what we, you know, we take care of to fully understand. Which also includes, we do, when, when we do bring in products or local mm-hmm. ingredients, we are, you know, periodically testing them, both raw and finished product, right? So I think just adding another layer uh, of, of kind of our approach to making sure we are delivering on our value proposition to our customers. Which I can imagine, like, as somebody, like, I personally don't have food allergies, um, Jason's dad and one of his brothers mm-hmm. have severe life-threatening food allergies. So I know that when I'm even thinking about like if his dad comes to visit, I might have a shampoo with coconut in it and his dad can't use that shampoo. So I will ensure that all of even the hair care products that we have, if he needs to use them, are free of these certain ingredients. Thankfully, he doesn't wash his hair. So yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't bathe. He, he doesn't, doesn't bathe, bathe. so we're, yeah. we're cool, yeah. yeah. we're good with that. Yeah, we, yeah. we skipped over that. <laughs> Anyways. But I always think about this. Like, if you, like, as a consumer who doesn't have allergies, and I, I'm, like, an avid label reader, but anytime I pick up a product, it, it, it always baffles me when it's like, you know, this, this product doesn't contain gluten because that's probably the one that you see the most. But, but then on the back of the panel where it's, like, manufactured in a facility – that contains may contain and it's like you're yeah. really not doing any service to anyone yeah. Yeah. by just blurring the lines a little bit yeah. right you just make it really confusing for people so like yeah. maybe i'm vegan and i don't want dairy i don't want dairy but if it's like manufactured in a facility where dairy it's like okay you know fine but for people that have these severe allergies it's like you're really not doing anyone a favor by making these claims on your product, but then when you drill down into your, you know, your process and your integrations there, like if you're vertically integrated or not vertically integrated, it's like, you're not doing anybody a favor here. That is my pet peeve as, just as a consumer, right? I see something, um, right? So, you know, one of my daughter's allergies is peanut, right? A lot of times you do might see, you know, no peanuts in somebody. So, now, I'm used to this, so I will still flip it over and read everything. And, I, you know, I do see that manufactured of psyllium of peanuts. And I'm like, I, I get really frustrated with that. I think part of that stems from, you know, just regulations and what people can and can't say are required to say and whatnot. And I think um, it also has to do with people, it, um, consumers' tolerances. I we talk to some customers who say, I'm okay with things that are manufactured in a facility with you know, they, they've made that decision for themselves. There's others, like, um, you know, who call manufacturers to clarify, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. do you have exonocillium? Do you have what? Okay, it says it may contain traces. What, what's going on? Is it on the same line? Is it not? 
which is an incredible amount of diligence you think, you know, but that burden really rests on the consumer in a lot of ways. Um, and so I, I, I feel the frustration as a consumer and we didn't want to leave anything, um, you know, open, you know, open-ended questions for people. That's why we try to be really straightforward. We get a lot of questions, for instance, about coconut, right? Because coconut's a tricky one. The FDA classifies it as a tree nut. I guess scientifically it's really a fruit. Um, and a lot of people who have a tree nut, don't quote me on the fruit thing, but it's not like scientifically they, they don't put it in the same family as a tree nut. Um, so a lot of people who eat tree nuts, who can't eat tree nuts, can eat coconut. I'm one of them. My mom's one of them. We're both anaphylactic to tree nuts. I love coconut. I eat coconut all the time. Um, but that's not everybody. And so that's why when people, a lot of people ask us, you know, what about coconut? I'm like, we treat it in line with FDA regulations that considered a tree nut because I didn't want to confuse people. Um, but, you know, I think that we try to be as straightforward as we can, but there's still questions we get where corn, yeah, and corn's a. Corn is one, not one of the top nine, but it's, we have it's, actually, it's, it's amazing how many people we've had to be shouting about corn, but we are very upfront of, yes, we do have corn in our facility. We, we, it's primarily corn oil, but I think it's one of those things where. We would love to be able to kind of make snacks that people like that feel comfortable about. But I think for, you know, at least in the beginning, we were really focused on the top nine. So we were very, we were very direct with our customers about that one. It's absolutely the facility. You know, is it going under the type of testing protocols that we do for the other allergens? No. Um, if it's not included in the product. So, for example, like our power bites don't have corn, but we will always tell people that we have corn in the facility. Yeah. And so it's, uh, I, I hear you, and I think part of that goes to, just how we've evolved, um, right? Going back to when you're talking about when you were a kid, right? When I was a kid, as far as I can remember, I had a very big elementary school, and I was one of two kids that had food allergies that I can remember. And it was just, you know, I don't know what to say. Well, the incidence of food allergies over the past 20 years, depending on which allergy you look at, right? Peanuts versus tree nuts versus others, has increased significantly. You know, some allergies and more than, you know, doubled or tripled. Um, now that some of it's better detection, is it an actual increase? You, you know, there's so many unknowns, but as that prevalence has increased, there definitely has become more education, better labeling, right? If you think about now, when you see they may contain traces of um, on foods that didn't exist um, for many years, and you know, my mom always tells the story. So my mom was also an asthmatic, and she had a lot of asthma attacks when I was a kid. And she said, now, looking back, there are some candy bars that she looks at now that say may contain traces of peanuts or manufactured on equipment, processes peanuts. She's like, I think some of those asthma attacks were the start of, were anaphylaxis. And because she's like, when I think about when they happen and everything, um, and so you think about where we come, the fact that now we can identify that. But it's still, it's a, it's, it's an evolving process. Um, and I think, you know, being as transparent as you can with a consumer is important. I agree, some labeling is very confusing. Um, and to your point, you know, it's what are people driving at and what are they looking at in the product? I mean, you can just more for just clarification purpose, the main contain traces of our manufacturing facility. Totally the, what is required by regulation is that, 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 that manufacturers disclose if one of the top eight food allergens is utilized within the, within the product itself, right? So I think the main contain traces of, et cetera, is totally up, you know, 
Yeah, it's up to each individual manufacturer. Right. Yeah. So um, the, the legislation that Brooke was talking, Sesame now will be added into those aids, so you'll hold, like we'll have the big number, right? I think. Yeah. Uh, but I think that to, to the basically the point I think everyone is really circling around is it, it just adds a lot of uncertainty and I think a lot of confusion, especially for when you think about some of our customers who are the, the diligent types, I mean the, the super diligent types who are calling manufacturers. I mean, and not even just calling manufacturer one time. We have customers who say they they have like they keep a log and they will call back six months later just because you know product lines change. They they manufacture or maybe source something from a different place, right? I think you know it is. As, as Brooke said, the food supply chain is extremely complex. I mean, one of the you know we try our best to go to single source suppliers because you know, for example, like our flax, it comes from all they do is flax, right? And that's the, that's all they grow is all they process. But that is very difficult for so many different items for a variety of reasons, whether it's cost, just the ability to um, you know source it in, in that way. Um, and so I think it, 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 it just it's just a lot for some for an individual to have to kind of process and keep track of. But it is it is that important. Yeah. And when you are out and about in the world, and let's say you want to go out to eat at a restaurant, I would love to know some of your tips. Like not only as an adult, but when you were a child, let's say there's like a child that might be traveling with a family or, or something they want to stop. What are some of the top tips that you would give for people that are in this situation that really want the information from wherever they're eating? I mean, the first thing I would say is don't be embarrassed and don't feel like you're being a pain. I, my parents were thankfully able to come visit a few weeks ago after not seeing them for almost a year and a half um, and went out to eat. And so it was all three generations of food allergies. And I was like, all right, you ready? Get your paper and pen. Here we go. <laughs> No, there's no that, that the chef 
might have seen that and been like, hold on a minute. Not a guarantee by any means, but just another layer of protection. And then also the always speak to a manager if there's any questions, because oftentimes, um, you know, no shame. I was a waitress for a long time. It is a hard job, and that turnover, and like people to know the menu and get everything right, and you've got a million things going on, right? I mean, the number of times I would forget, you know, to bring someone's food out, much less, you know, like, let me keep track of your food allergies and make sure I'm not messing anything up. Uh, that's a big burden. So I think asking a, a manager um, is really, you know, it's really important as well. But having that backup, something with you, if you just don't feel comfortable, it, it can really stink and it's no fun, but just not eating. Like, it's just not worth it. And just, you know, walking away and saying, I'm not gonna eat that, I'm not gonna eat here. Um, yeah, I'm gonna be the person sitting at the table just maybe drinking water, because that's the situation I'm in. It, you know, it, at the end of the day, like, if you feel like you're at that point, I, I would say have no shame in it, but never feel like you are being a burden. Because it's it's so it's so prevalent that um, you know restaurants need to be equipped to to deal with it, and, and a lot of them are working on it. But to be fair, it's it's a hard hard thing. There, I still avoid restaurants where there's like a ton of what I'm allergic to on the menu to begin with. We just don't go. No, it, it's just, we're like no, it, it's it's not worth it. There is a new restaurant in a new shopping center that was built near us, and the founders are those who have young children that had severe food allergies. So they built an entire restaurant that has like this full menu that's void of all. Yeah. It's, it was really cool. And, uh, they opened right at the start of the pandemic. So similar, you know, uh, type of situation. It's still there. They're still standing and thriving, but it's pretty cool to see that this need is, is so prevalent. Like you've mentioned how it's grown even like, double or triple over the you know last 10 20 years that now there are full restaurants dedicated to it so I could imagine the relief of not only like the parents the children even the, the servers or the staff too because for example uh, my sister got married a few years ago and there was someone that was part of the wedding party that had a very severe food allergy and we were bringing in some food like an evening before the wedding. And I had to, I had to ensure that every single item, like I, I think I bought everything from Whole Foods, catering style. And I had to ensure, I'm like, I need you to tell me of every single like drop of chicken broth, of every single, you know, pat of butter, whatever the allergy was, I can't remember. But, you know, get that guarantee because this person's life is, is, on the line here and she she was very grateful that I went through that trouble to ensure but I can only imagine also from her point of view like my sister says that anytime that they get together many times she'll just bring her own food and at first my sister didn't quite understand not from like I don't understand why you're doing that but just like hey like I told you you know that there would be food here that was safe for you but just because she wants to eat she wants to make sure she's safe so when there's products like yours available on the market or restaurants that are popping up that meet these needs it really speaks to the demand that's out there and then like the mental peace of mind that someone receives when they can step foot in that facility or safely open up something and know like I'm going to be safe when I eat this it goes back to that like mental burden point that you know kids start early on and parents you know carry for 
for their kids as well. It's sometimes it's like, yeah, I know you might tell me that's safe. You know, I might order some food that's safe, but I can't tell you many times like we'll get something at the table and we've asked and we, you know, there's a reason I should be allergic. We look, and we even did it uh, yesterday because mom uh, made some made something for us and she knows that we have nut allergies, but we were like. Is that, is that a nut? And then we had to, to call her. We were like, just want to make sure. And she was like, no, they're the, you know, but you just, you have this kind of paranoia sometimes. Um, it's totally rightfully placed. And sometimes you're like, I just want to deal with that. I don't want to answer the questions and like eat this. And like the whole time I'm eating and thinking, like, yeah. is, is it really, you know, sometimes yeah. you're just like, no, I, I don't, I just want to be able to enjoy myself. Um, and, and, and it is a different experience. I, I left um, for Christmas. So we have um, a really great um, boutique chocolatier here. We're in the Raleigh Durham area. Um, so I'll shout out the Dairy Chocolate. Um, I love those guys. And they are nut-free, peanut-free. Um, this comes from the founder. One of his best friends has severe food allergies, and he wanted him to try samples as he was creating the brand. Um, and so we just, he, you know, wasn't a, necessarily what he set out to do, but. Um, but I wanted to get for my parents for Christmas, um, you know, these beautiful gift boxes and everything. And, um, you know, I was looking at it and I picked it and like, I knew everything was nut free, uh, and peanut free and very clear about that. And like I said, I know the founder, but it still was really weird purchasing it and being like, are we sure? Like, do I, 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 you know, it was this odd feeling of like buying chocolate, which is often people with a nut allergy, you know, very challenging, and just like, okay, okay, like I, I know it's okay. Um, and then my mom, of course, was like, I haven't had some of like, you know, like these little chocolate truffles. She's like, I've had this in like twenty years since they started getting better labeling, and she realized all the stuff she shouldn't have been eating. Uh, <laughs> and she was so excited and. I told her all that, and she's like, that's so awesome, you know, um, so it is this, like, freedom of this mindset, um, when you shed this burden that sometimes you don't realize you're carrying, and I think, you know, both parents and kids, anybody, you know, even, you know, grown adults like myself, like, you, you don't realize sometimes how much it, you're always thinking about it in the back of your mind. Can I probably strap one more thing, which ties to something Brooke said, you know, you talk about driving demand, and so, because everyone points to the 32 million Americans, or approximately 32 million Americans who have allergies, and so, you know, oftentimes when we're talking to other business people, entrepreneurs, we think, oh, it's a kind of a niche market, and that's like, look, it's a subsegment of the population, but what you're missing is, is that actually 85 million Americans are shopping for, that have these kind of criteria in mind. I mean, take our family, for example. There are two people with different allergies, uh, and there are two people who don't, right? Um, but we all eat and shop to the same, you know, to kind of the same denominator, if you will. So I think um, that is, so 85 million, you know, you're talking with just, just shy of a third of the, of the country, right? And so now you start thinking about, well, let's, if you just think of walking around the grocery store, is a third of the grocery store dedicated to that? Well, I don't think so, right? And so I think a lot of times I like to point that fact out because there is real demand. There is a, there's not only there a real need, but there is a there's real critical mass market. When it comes to the products that you've created thus far, I want to know what your personal favorites are. <laughs> it depends on the day. What <laughs> I would like to say is we wanted it to be a snack company and a trusted brand because we wanted to meet both a variety of people's tastes but also different snacking needs, right? We have a cookie, right? You want a cookie for dessert, but we also have our power bites, which are like a fruit and date based snack, which are super healthy, um, easy go to snack. Like we 
members who like to use them like pre or post workout. And so you, you cover that. I didn't let it with some of this. Yes, well, I do actually let my kids eat this sometimes for breakfast. Because um, dates and fruit and chia, like, totally fine. Go for it. Yeah. Um, and then we have granola bars, right? Which kind of we have customers use them for breakfast, snack, workout, you know, you name it. So um, we really do try to meet all the different snacking um, opportunities that are there are in the day. So it does depend a little bit on that, but um, I think I'm probably most addicted to the power bites right now. But I say that, and then I see the granola bar. And I <laughs> <laughs> that's tough, but I mean, I think it's, so when we said the, the, the points, I mean, that's, when you think about what our customers, what we've heard from our customers, the number one thing we hear is choice, right? They lack, they lack choices, right? So we, we know we're just one of many brands, but like we really wanted to provide different choices for our customers because like our family, some people want to eat a granola bar. Like I'm not a huge fan of granola bars as Brooke is, but I enjoy ours, but I'd like, I much more would like rather have a power bite or a cookie. And so I think having choices, tasting good, being three of the top nine, that's like our really our core value proposition, right? Along with this kind of ethos of being inclusive. But to your question about what's my favorite, I mean, the cookie is near and dear to me just because, uh, <laughs> You know, from an R&D perspective, I, I, when Brooke said we, we were going to do a chocolate chip cookie, it's like it has to be soft. We're both soft-baked chocolate chips. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Crispy person. If you like country cookies, uh, you know, I, I totally get it. Um, just leave it out for a couple days. She'll just leave it on the counter. I, I'm a soft guy. I'm a, I'm a softy here, but she I likes some hard. No. I'm a crispy one, but I've, ta- I've had the product, and they are so good yeah but it's like, been sitting out on the on the shelf for like three days yeah know? right <laughs> yeah right like this guy would let it sit there yeah no it wouldn't peeps out to like harden the peeps yeah yeah exactly right yeah yeah but like no for vibe hive audience like the without a trace products everything every single thing taste is like at the forefront of the products that you have which is amazing and like you said you have a chef that you worked with who was a non- food allergy, you know, doesn't suffer from food allergies. And that's who you worked with to help formulate everything. And you, and it really comes through. Like, I would think like for all of the audience, something that I would want to impart is that don't necessarily think like, oh, I've tried some, you know, free from snacks before and they were okay. Like when you try these, you're going to be like, okay, where do I click on subscribe and save so that I can like, you know, they're just showing up at my door because they are that good. Wait, wait, thank you. I will tell you, we do have quite a few customers who have no food allergies. Who have no wow, food allergies. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, I just really like it. Um, yeah. Which that's a testament. Right? It to be something where, you know, because you can eat anything and I can, but we can share it together. Um, and, you know, the other way we got there besides um, Anna, our chef, who, who's amazing, uh, is we taste all of our taste testing, all of our R&D that we did over, you know, 18 or 24 months, um, we did with folks who don't have dietary restrictions. We, you know, take people who can eat anything under the sun, and if they are like, eh, they're like, okay, that doesn't work. Because um, I probably got 10 cookies in, was like, this is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so there are, you know, like 30 more that came along, but, uh, that, you know, that was the point. We didn't want it to taste like a free-from food. I think that's the greatest compliment. So we, we do, we do, uh, we spend a couple Saturdays at the farmer's market here in one of the local, uh, local towns. And, um, I mean, it's one of the 
the best compliments I get is when someone tries our cookie, like, my God, that doesn't taste like it's free from something. And, like, I, I think for me... They're like, wait, there's no butter? They're like, no, no, there's no... No? Yeah. You sure? <laughs> I think that's the greatest compliment I think we can get ever, really. I and mean, obviously, I think when you see customers so excited to be able for their kids to just be able to enjoy snacks uh, with their friends, that is probably... That probably takes that. But I think, like I said, the cookie holds a special place to That's a lie. Yes, we can. <laughs> we always have room for cookies. Well, and also, it's not only that you have free from, but your ingredients are pretty clean too, which is really nice as well. It's not just like, you know, this laundry list of random weird plastic chemicals that you're like, well, if you mold yeah. that into a certain way, it looks like food that you can eat, so you'll be fine. It's like, yeah. no, there's real healthy ingredients that you don't feel like a guilt about giving to your child, which mm -hmm. is cool. And what I would say is, you know, we prioritize taste uh, and absolutely everything. Um, so yes, like we do use sugar in our cookie. We use, we use real sugar. Uh, <laughs> which I know sometimes we like, you know, I'm like, it, it, you know, it's not, it's not perfect. Um, but we make everything in our own facility here, small batches by hand. It's not some big industrial machinery <laughs> it's you know it's really like our cookies are homemade like we hand lay out every batch and throw them in the oven and um so when you're eating food you're eating food that we've made um by hand um you know so it, I, I think hopefully that comes through that it's not um there's a little bit more of a what's the handcrafted it's made with love Made with love there. <laughs> yeah. If you could leave our audience with a key takeaway, what's something that you would want to share with them? You know, I would say um, it would be, you know, anybody who's dealing with a, a food allergy or um, dietary restriction or any, you know, any kind of medical condition or something that you know, can impact your life, uh, I think personally as a parent, right, we always feel you know, there's something that a kid I feel so bad, um, you know, is my kid going to be scarred for life because I'm sitting here reading labels and I'm like, don't eat that, don't eat that, our son's like panicking because our daughter might be, you know, getting near, he's like, oh my God, there's an egg, you know, which we appreciate, um, you know, but is she going to have nightmares about that? Um, I think, you know, for the most part, I can say, you know, it, it's turned out okay. I think we, it's amazing how resilient um, kids are and how much you kind of you go with the, the flow. And um, sometimes people, you know, ask me, I'm like, it's the only way I've ever known how to live. So I've never experienced anything different than having to ask these questions, read labels, you know, have certain restrictions. Um, and so, you know, I think you're doing, parents who are working with this, you're doing the, the best you can, right? It's there. We know it. I know it impacts life, but, it, it, you know, I don't know anything different. So. And any favorite resource that you would want to shout out for the audience? Could be a book, website, blog, YouTube. Um, I mean, I would say, honestly, for anybody particularly who's really new to food allergies and trying to navigate it, um, FAIR, so F-A-R-E um, is the acronym. They're really the largest um, nonprofit organization really dedicated to food allergy 
research and education. They have a ton of great resources. What's awesome about them is they do this twofold kind of helping support pedagogy parents and just navigating the day to day. But then they also have this big legislative piece. So, for instance, the the Faster Act, which was just signed into law, adding sesame to labeling. They they were the driving force behind that. Some of the other things we've seen in legislation over the years, like they've been a big force behind. So um, they're really advocating for food allergy families um, on both fronts. Cool. Yeah, and we'll link we'll link to their site in the show notes for anybody that's listening. And of course, where can anyone find you? Find your products and if any audience members are interested in purchasing, I think that you have a little special something for them as far as a code goes today. Yes, we do. So we do have um, a discount code for everybody. And I want to say, I think it's uh, ETV20, but like, yeah, okay. I I went back and forth on this. So um, so 20% off, um, you can go to our website, withoutatracefoods.com. And we've got everything there give it a try, let us know what you think, um, and, you know, follow us on social, um, Instagram at withoutatracefoods.com, same thing on Facebook, withoutatracefoods, um, we'll be announcing, you know, anything, um, we have a couple of interesting things coming up, and it's the best way to find out about, you know, new products, new offerings, um, you know, as we go, we also do, we sometimes do some special stuff around the holidays, so if you're looking for, um, gifts and things like that be sure to, to check us out. Awesome. Well, awesome. Brooke and Matt, thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing your knowledge. And even though it's, you know, from a struggle, something beautiful was birthed that is going to potentially help millions of children not feel ostracized and, and millions of families sort of ease, you know, that aspect of life that can be difficult to navigate so i think what you're doing is amazing and, and millions of people like me just who want a really good cookie yeah yeah like who doesn't want a good <laughs> i cookie? just want a good cookie so me and everyone else can benefit from it so thank you you're doing amazing work and you should be very proud of everything you've accomplished yeah well, we thank you guys so much for the opportunity we hope this helps folks um you know inspires people and um, you know, it's never too late to have a second or a third career if people are, you know. Yeah, I'm ready. You all turn it is for their lives. So. <laughs> Don't tell my boss, but I'm ready. I'm ready, like, right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's my boss, by the way. Uh, yeah. He chains yeah. me up in here. No, I'm just kidding. Right. Yeah, well, right on. And, well, thank you both. We appreciate it. Thank you for joining us to Elevate the Vibe. Thank you. All right. Hey there, Vibe Hive babes. If this podcast has brought you any value, please rate and review on your favorite listening platform. And if you're feeling really generous, share with a friend. Visit us at elevatethevibe.co for show notes on this episode and previous episodes. This podcast is intended to educate, entertain, and inspire. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or substitute for professional medical advice please consult your healthcare provider with any questions you may have. And as always, thank you for joining us to Elevate the Vibe.